This is Science Modeling Talks, the podcast that features top modeling instructors and thought leaders sharing ideas. I'm your host, Mark Royce. I want to remind you to visit sciencemodelingtalks.com, where you can access a lot of extra content and learn more about us and the American Modeling Teachers Association, the professional organization that we promote. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Today, we're hosting a special episode of Science Modeling Talks as we address the concerns around the current pandemic. My guest today is Dr. Bill Thornburg, the Executive Officer for the American Modeling Teachers Association. For over 10 years, Dr. Thornburg taught high school environmental science, biology, and chemistry. He says that the transition from traditional instruction to modeling instruction invigorated him, and he found that his students were much happier. Since leaving the classroom, Bill received his PhD in science education from the University of Louisville, and now he's been the executive officer for the AMTA for the past two years. Bill told me that though virtual teaching has been a topic of conversation for a long time, Now, teachers have been thrown into the deep waters, and they need life preservers, boats, and anything else that they can use to stay afloat. He wants to lead the AMTA in contributing positively to teachers' needs and intends to help the organization continue to be a support for STEM teachers, especially during this critical time of challenges. Hi, Bill. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Are you staying safe? Everything is good here in Kentucky, yes. That's awesome. I uh, am really excited to have you here with us today. And um, first wanted to ask you about what you're seeing in the modeling community regarding this pandemic and how it's unfolding and any news that you have or insights, thoughts that you have about this for the listening audience. Yeah, I think uh, not just modelers, but, you know, all teachers across the the country are really, I think, struggling right now. Um, struggling with the thought of what it means to to be teaching virtually. Struggling with how to engage their students, and then honestly, I think struggling because uh, in some cases administration is giving certain directives. I've talked to teachers that are able to just continue on with with normal teaching and assignments um, to teachers that aren't allowed to give any new work. So it it does make it difficult for them to carry on, you know, what we would consider a uh, normal teaching routine when they all have very different obstacles, depending on their administration, which, you know, is dependent on maybe the state that they live in. I've heard a lot of differences between how states and administrators are, you know, reacting to all this and what they're instructing teachers. Do you have any advice for those who may have uh, more restrictive directives on uh, how to teach? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think my advice would be just continue to offer learning opportunities for students, even if the students aren't necessarily required to attend or required to complete the work. Um, I think that it's important for for us um, in education to just put it out there in front of them. Some will take advantage of the learning opportunities and complete the work, and some may not. But if we don't offer anything, we know that none of them will do it. 
So I think it's important to just stay positive uh, and work within the situation that you're in. And hopefully students will, will follow suit. I know that teachers are oftentimes the front line for t- students in their relational connections as well, spend so much time with their teachers. So how would you encourage people to keep that relational connection? There are ways outside of just the formal teaching time. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's very similar to a normal teaching schedule. Teachers have never really been on a 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. schedule. We come home, we do grading, we receive emails, in some cases, maybe text messages. There's always this component of constant communication between teacher and students. So virtually, in my mind, it doesn't change that. I think teachers need to adjust their expectations of not just the the quantity of, of content that they're covering, but they need to adjust their teaching schedules as well. Maybe weekly check-ins, informal check-ins. So, you know, we, we don't always have to meet with students just to teach. We could meet with them just to say hi and see what's going on in, in their lives and see if they're remaining safe. Just give them an opportunity to see other students and to socialize. I know in the case of my own children, that's what some of their teachers do. And even though we're, we're separated by distance, we can still have a social component and, and have time. And I think the teacher could be uh, at the, like the focal point of that, providing the platform and inviting the students in to help them stay connected. Or else they may just stay on their social media and do things afar, you know, through uh, Snapchat and Instagram and the other things that the kids are using these days. So I, I do think teachers need to provide the opportunities and it needs to go beyond just content. So social opportunities as well. My wife is fortunate and her school is giving her full resources to be able to teach in a fairly normal way using the Zoom interface. But one of the things that she found was that the kids were not wanting to hang up at the end of the class session. They were wanting to stay connected with each other and with her. And so that's, a, I think, a very interesting thing. And I know some people don't have the same resource that her school has provided. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just will throw in here my opinion in, is that I think it's really important for the teachers to find ways to create that relational connection like you were talking about and, yeah. and give the kids opportunities to uh, stay connected relationally in a safe environment. Yeah, sometimes I don't think they know what they're missing uh, until they get that opportunity to see. And because, you know, the inside jokes, they come out, the smiles and the laughter. And seeing people in real time is a much different experience than seeing them through an image that they've just taken and posted. Mm -hmm. And some kids are a little, I think, a little more lucky in that maybe they live in an area where they have classmates that they could meet them outside and say hello or ride a bike or whatever it may be. But not everyone is so lucky. So even a virtual platform to allow us to see each other and talk. And as you said earlier, it's always nice to to be face to face, you know? Yeah. So I think I think the students are the same way. Yeah. So modeling instruction specifically 
in an online environment is a little more difficult because of, you know, in the classroom, that face-to-face interaction that happens, the whiteboarding, the direct uh, response to students in a Socratic dialogue form and all that kind of stuff. Any advice for uh, teachers who are struggling to keep the modeling uh, methodologies in place? I think the biggest advice would be don't get overly frustrated. Mm -hmm. I believe that modelers are all in the same boat Mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out what it means to model virtually. Is it ever going to be the same as face-to-face? No, I don't think so. But there are different things that teachers can do to give a modeling-like feel. For instance, when using a, a platform like Zoom, you can put the students in breakout rooms and you can have them whiteboard. And then the teacher get, can you know easily pop in and out of those classes. So you do get some small group conversation. Uh, it doesn't flow as nicely as face-to-face. You know, the conversations are a little different because when we're using a, a virtual platform, it's really just one person able to speak. And then when that person's done, the next one will will jump in. But in a modeling classroom and being face-to-face, we know that we appreciate and we actually really look forward to ha- hearing multiple voices and having people chime in and talk and critique and share And as a teacher, we may be on one side of the room working with one small group or listening in to a small group whiteboard, but we're still very aware of what's happening around the room. And you just can't replicate that virtually. So I think, you know, uh, don't get frustrated. Do your best. You can still work on small group discussion. You can still do some version of whiteboarding. You can still provide the students with opportunities to talk. And there are uh, tools out there, you know, like positive physics and pivot interactives, um, Vernier, where we can use online labs and maybe do data collection and then have the students use the data. They can argue from the evidence that they've seen. They haven't collected it. That's a big difference, but they've seen it. And so they can manipulate and they can still work with data and discuss results. So there are aspects of modeling that can be done virtually, but you're right. It's really never going to take the place of or be as good as a face-to-face experience. Mm. You said, don't get frustrated. And it reminded me of that meme that's going around about stay calm, (laughs) carry on. (laughs) Stay calm, stay healthy. Yeah, it's, uh, we've done a lot of webinars in recent weeks, um, AMTA is doing our best to help up uh, teachers in any way possible. So happy hours, webinars, and we're hearing the same things from people. You know, they all have the same frustrations, whether they're a first-year modeler or whether they've been modeling for years. So it's going to take time, but I think that these meetings and allowing people to share is how we're going to just improve daily. So eventually, you know, at the end of this coronavirus, um, if things ever return to normal traditional instruction, I think that modelers and really all teachers will be stronger because they will have acquired a new skill set. And if anything in the future happens where we have to be out of school for an extended time, you know, that could be extended breaks, 
It could be from snow days, you know, whatever the case may be. I think teachers will be more prepared to continue to teach during those off times. That's great. Necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. You know, and this is a great example. I think this time we're going through right now is really shifting our paradigms, helping us to be, uh, to find new ways and to, you know, to adapt to the current circumstances. And I think that people have a new appreciation for what teachers really do. Mm -hmm. Uh, For any parent or any professional outside of education that's at home right now, trying to teach their children, they, uh, I think, are appreciating their teachers a lot more than they did a a month ago. My background in production includes a lot of theater and live production uh, events. And we always talk about the storyline and the characters in a story. The three main characters always mentioned in any books about writing and stuff are the victim, the villain, and the hero. But there's often another one that's added that's called the guide. And I think teachers hold that role wonderfully. And and I think that's a part of why people become teachers, you know, is the opportunity to influence and direct and help. And during this time, that role doesn't change, even though it's not in a face-to-face classroom. It's just finding a new way to do it. Yeah, and it, and it's it's the cliche, right? Uh, a, a number of years ago, uh, as as teaching practices morph, you know, I mean, we don't teach the same today as as teachers did fifty years ago. So, uh, a best practice for teachers is to stop being the sage on stage, stop talking at students, but you need to take a step to the side and become a guide on the side, and now you're facilitating learning. You're a lot of mothers talk about learning alongside their students. And you're you're going to get more student buy-in and more interest and more engagement when you stop being the know-it-all at the front of the classroom. Get out amongst the people, you know, circulate, talk to them, hear what they're saying. And so that facilitation, that being a guide is really important in today's uh, world of education. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, AMTA is busy. Yes. <laughs> I, know, I know you guys are busy. One of the things that's happening is because of the social uh, distancing is the cancellation of some workshops, you know, the modeling workshops that are available to instructors. Can you talk about how you guys are dealing with that? What your thoughts are about the next few months, even the summer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we recently held a, an emergency webinar, an emergency meeting with hosts across the country. Uh, probably our uh, biggest attendance we've ever had at a host meeting. Can you, can you define the term host, what that means? Yes. A workshop host is somebody locally, or in some cases regionally, that has taken on the responsibility of setting up a workshop, finding a location, and then marketing to get teachers to register for that workshop. So when AMTA held this emergency meeting with hosts a few days ago, we actually discussed, you know, what are the options? And rightfully so, I think there's a angst. I think there's confusion. I think there's frustration um, because there are so many uncertainties with the current situation. 
what we feel very confident of is June face-to-face workshops are unlikely to happen. Even if they put us on a, a less restricted lockdown and social distancing was just something we should be mindful of, but you know, let's all get out and circulate again. We're not so sure that teachers want to be stuck in a room with a bunch of other teachers. So it's likely that a number of June and early July workshops are going to be canceled. Um, that's not good for AMTA as an organization because, you know, as a small nonprofit, we depend on revenue and revenue comes from workshops being held and teacher participation. So some options that we have discussed are moving to a virtual platform. But as we discussed earlier, it's very hard to replicate a face-to-face interaction and workshop with what would be a virtual course. So we're working through the logistics of what that would look like, finding leaders that are properly trained to lead a virtual course. And really, we're right now just trying to give hosts a few weeks, maybe, to think about, can I do this? What would it look like? Will I have teachers drop? And I mean, when you get to the bottom line, financially, can I make this happen? Hmm. So. Uh, We've had some hosts that have agreed, yes, we're going to do virtual. Um, Chemistry 2 through uh, a California-Arizona connection is likely going to happen. I'm sure you're aware of that one. And AMTA is actually going to step up and try to fill the void. And we're going to host our own workshops, or I should say distance learning offerings, for the summer. So we will offer at least one chemistry biology, physics, and middle school workshop. At the end of the day, our goal is to help teachers. And if hosts need to cancel, we're going to step up as an organization to offer this professional development to help teachers. Good. You know, it's interesting that what I know of the workshops, when the leaders are teaching modeling to non-modeling invested teachers, They often model how to use modeling in the classroom. So it's interesting to me that when you're in a workshop online, it's going to be also a new level of training on how to do modeling virtually, you know, and it's going to probably be another way that things evolve and help teachers understand how to use this kind of technology. Yeah, well, and... This happened before my time as executive officer, but I think that some of our first distance learning courses didn't go so well because it was a different environment. And, uh, but from that, we've learned that, okay, this discipline, we can do a virtual work, uh, course and engage them very well. Hmm. But maybe in another discipline, or in the case of physics, some specialized se- uh, section of physics like electricity and magnetism or waves or mechanics, maybe those can't be done so well. Hmm. So when we you know, make our final decisions, we're going to listen to people that have led distance learning in the past. We're going to listen to the experts in each of those disciplines that have led face-to-face workshops to find out, is this a doable thing? or not, 
And if it's doable, can it be done high quality? Can we do this effectively for the teachers? Mm. If the answer is no, it's not going to be as effective, then we won't do it. We're going to hold our, you know, our standards of professional development. We're going to hold them high and we're going to provide teachers with the best opportunities possible. And if we feel like we can't do that, then we will have to just postpone and hope 2021 we have some normalcy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to me that uh, unbeknownst to AMTA, you guys had the foresight to start working on how to do distance learning a couple of years ago which kind of for now means that you're a little ahead of the curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think so. Um, we definitely found a niche and that really was a result of just listening to membership. It, it takes time and money to get away during the summer for, for two and three week workshops, mm -hmm. especially if you're a teacher with young children. Yep. So offering distance learning uh, typically in the spring semester um, has been a really good thing for us as an organization. Um, it's good for revenue, but it's really good for teachers that can work it into this, their daily life, their daily, you know, normal teaching schedule uh, and responsibilities. In the distance learning uh, sessions or, or workshops, do you, because I know a regular workshop is either two or three weeks, you know, the face-to-face -face ones, do you extend the time at all or does it allow you some flexibility there to dig a little, uh, have a little bit deeper dive? Yeah, they have been different formats. Um, typically, they are 15 weeks, hmm. three hours once a week. So it's a total of 45 contact hours. And that's really good for teachers wanting to earn graduate credits. Mm -hmm. But it's also really good because it gives teachers a week to do readings, to maybe go back into their classroom and try to implement something. And it gives them a good amount of reflection time. So when they come back the next week, these are all things that could be discussed with the instructor. Uh, but like you, you know, like we're talking about here, just with virtual, you know, distance learning opportunities, virtual teaching, you have the option to really do anything you want. Mm. So uh, we recently did a five-week course where teachers met once a week for three hours. So it was 15 hours of total contact time. But what they did was they really dug into the content more and the pedagogy more. So it was considered an advanced uh, advanced topics in middle school modeling, which was led by one of our one of our great leaders in middle school, George Nelson, out of the Chicago area. Yeah, we did a podcast um, with him last uh, last month. Yes, he he is very active in the in the modeling community as a workshop leader. He's on the AMTA uh, board of directors, and you know he's he's great. And it, he, along with a colleague, um, David Bates discussed, you know, what are some options we can offer teachers, right? Because they're just all about helping middle school teachers. Mm -hmm. And does it make sense to do a 15-week course or should we, should we narrow it down and really dig into it and just do a five-week course? So they designed that from scratch based on teacher interest. Mm. And I think as we move forward, uh, especially, especially like the immediate, which is summer 2020, we're going to have to design entirely new workshops in each discipline 
to provide the best experience possible for teachers that want professional development. And we're really hoping, especially in this right now, this crazy, crazy world of virtual teaching, we're really hoping that teachers um, are going to take advantage of what we have to offer. So how do people register for workshops? Those who don't aren't already aware, how do they get into any, either the, the new online ones or to face-to-face down the road? Best way to find the workshops that we offer is visit our website, www.modelinginstruction.org, and look at the professional development tab. The first that pops up is upcoming professional development, and you'll see summer 2020. That would be the normal way, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) But in upcoming weeks, as these hosts are making decisions, and we figure out who's canceling and who's not, that entire section of the website, I'm going to have to update to reflect that now this is a virtual option. This is the uh, dates that have been chosen. So for right now, it would be check back at a later date. Or if there's interest by a teacher in an upcoming workshop, it would be to just go to our website and grab contact information for myself or Wendy who's our National Workshop Coordinator. Teachers can email me at amtaexec at modelinginstruction.org, or they can contact Wendy. Her email address is wendy at modelinginstruction.org. And we would be happy to provide any information that we have to help those teachers. Awesome. The You mentioned earlier uh, that Funding is a little tight right now. <laughs> yes. How can people help? Um, that's a great question. As a small nonprofit organization, we rely on our members. Mm-hmm. Uh, annual membership dues, donations, one-time or recurring monthly donations are always appreciated. Um, Right now, applying for grants is, it's very difficult. Um, It's very competitive. Uh, Any nonprofit that's in a remotely similar sector as we are, they're applying for the same grants. Mm. So it's it's a difficult time to get grants in education. Currently, with the extra work that we're doing, which we're opening up to non members as well. We're asking for people to just consider us, uh, think about making donations to help us provide these emergency services. And honestly, just knowing that we're gonna have a big hit to our revenue this summer due to canceled workshops, we're hoping that that members and non-members would think about us and uh, send a donation our way to help us get through rough, rough waters. Um, I I recently set up an emergency COVID-19 fund campaign uh, to just let people know, you know, we're conducting business as usual, so it may look like everything's okay, but we really do need support to keep this going and to to get through the summer. So how how do people invest? So a donation can be made by visiting, again, the website, modelinginstruction.org, and there's a donate button. They can write a check and they can mail it to us through the contact information that's on our website. And if they're not sure how to do either, 
anyone wanting to make a donation to AMTA can always contact me directly at amtaexec at modelinginstruction.org. Awesome. This is great. Um, so anything else you want to share from your heart about to our listeners? Yeah, you know, I'm, I miss being in the classroom myself mm. and hanging out virtually with all of these teachers has always been interesting and fun for me. But in the last few weeks, it's made me really miss being a classroom teacher even more. Classroom teachers right now may think I'm a little crazy for saying that because of what they're going through. But I tell you, I really do feel for them. Um, I feel their frustration. I feel the uncertainty. Um, they're doing it because they love kids. And they love to, as you said earlier, use the word guide. They love to guide students through this learning process to discover science, uh, to have an appreciation for the thing that they love themselves. And I miss that. Mm. You know, I love my job working with AMT and working with teachers, but I miss being in the classroom. So this situation, although not ideal for instruction, has really made me miss teaching and and I do um, sympathize and empathize with what they're going through. I just want to say to all teachers, you know, keep doing great work. Keep finding new ways to do what you do better. Don't forget you're not alone. This is going to be one of the biggest communities you're ever going to form because we're all in the same thing at the same time together. Mm. So I think this is a great time to be reaching out through Facebook and Twitter and looking for organizations providing free resources to help you get through tough times. In research and in academia, they always talk about communities of practice. You need to work with other teachers. And I think this is no better time than right now to connect with others because there are teachers all over the country that are wanting to share the things that they know and they want to share their successes. So, you know, other teachers have to be willing to just get out there and open up. So if you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. Uh, if you're not an Instagrammer, maybe you want to create an account and see if there's any, any teachers out there on Instagram doing cool stuff. Go to the AMTA website and check out our COVID-19 um, resource page, which gets updated daily. Hmm. You know, we're trying to connect people through virtual teaching and resources and tech tools and by discipline. So, you know, keep at it, keep working hard, know that you're supported. And I think most importantly, know that you're appreciated greatly. So do you have some specific uh, social media connect points that you can share with our listeners about like a Twitter account that you know is active or a Facebook page or... So AMTA does have a Twitter account that's managed by uh, someone that's very active in the Twitter world, and that's at AMTA Teachers. But individually, to just seek out teachers, um, I can tell you that in physics, maybe you want to look at Mark Schober, S-C-H-O-B-E-R. Mark is an AMTA board member. He's a workshop leader. He's a leader training workshop leader. Um, and does great stuff. And he's from the New York area. Um, in chemistry, you could look at Erica Postuma, who's from the Indianapolis area, and she's very active 
chemistry is my field, so I'm a little bit more familiar with others there. Ariel Serkin from STEM Teachers Mass Bay and Teresa Marks from STEM Teachers Mass Bay are both very active. Jeremy Sakauer out of Ohio does a lot of tweets. And then in biology, I would look at uh, Tanea Hibbler, who I know you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, Tanea is a biology workshop leader and very active. But teachers could also, if they like Facebook, could join groups. Um, there's state teacher associations that have groups. Um, you can join NGSS specific Facebook groups. But again, it's not just content specific. It's just trying to build your community mm -hmm. and you know build up your army of uh, your support team. So I think that, that there's a lot of stuff out there. Teachers just need to spend a little time looking. But I think through Facebook and Twitter, there are a lot of possible connections for people. And once you find one, you're going to find others because they all follow each other. That's the great thing about Twitter. You know, you said you miss being in the classroom. But I have to say, you're spending your time helping other teachers, and this is a great role. And what I've seen from your leadership and the role of AMTA, you're doing a great job. And I want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Wendy and I work very hard and very long, <laughs> non-traditional hours yeah. uh, to, to help teachers and to help the organization, you know, and that, like I mentioned earlier, the, the end goal is to help teachers and, um, we're trying to come up with as many ways as possible to continue to, to do that. Well, Bill, I know you are busy. This is a weekday, and uh, I want to say thanks for taking time to meet with me and have this conversation that we can share with others. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Science Modeling Talks. Head over to sciencemodelingtalks.com and you'll be able to listen to any of our archived episodes and access our show notes, which include guest bios, show highlights, and links to resources that were mentioned during the interview. While you're there, subscribe to our show so you won't miss out on any of our episodes. When you join this community through our email list, we'll send you a link to a lot of awesome resources from the American Modeling Teachers Association. Okay, so that's our show. As always, remember to keep striving for excellence in your classroom.